Funny Looks, the podcast where I discuss what comedians wear on stage and why. With this week, special guest, funny poet, Iona Lee. Iona is a poet, illustrator, musician, and a style icon. So how are you, Iona? Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Amelia. I must say, I'm quite honoured to be described as a style icon. You are, like, you've just got this effortless cool. Like, I remember before I'd even spoken to you, I was like, oh my God, Iona Lee just looks so effortless. And I think it was like, because of like the hoops, you're on stage doing poems. And I think around that time, I was like putting way too much effort into what I was wearing. Like I was wearing like a wig and a tracksuit. Um, but yeah, I've always like loved your um, stage looks. Do you think a lot about what you're going to wear? I, I So I've been thinking about this because I wanted to like have a good answer for you. So I had a chat with my boyfriend about this the other day. And he said that I when I have a gig in the evening, at a certain point in the afternoon, I sort of start this process where I have a shower, a really long one. And I get out and I like do my makeup and I kind of don't want to talk to him until after the gig's done. So even if he's coming to the gig with me, it's, it's how I kind of zone into it. And so there's this like several hours long process of like having a shower, doing my makeup, picking out clothes. And in that time, I don't really like talking to anyone. I kind of I'm zoning in a bit and I'm kind of um, getting in some kind of headspace. I don't know, but it's not necessarily conscious I suppose it's just kind of a ritual that helps me center myself yeah so I do definitely put quite a lot of thought into what I wear but that thought is not it's not hmm, that the thought is in the moment it's like what do I want to wear right now it's not an overall kind of uh project it's just what I'm feeling like that day I think Do you feel like you have like a different approach depending on what kind of gig it is? Like, will you approach certain gigs in a slightly more casual way? Uh, Like, for example, recently, many artists have been asked to do uh, online gigs and Zoom gigs. Would you approach that gig in the same way? Would you kind of like still get into the zone? Um, Yeah, that kind of thing. It's been a funny phase sort of doing my makeup to go and sit on my sitting room floor. <laughs> yeah. um, because I, I think that the process of dressing up helps me with the actual gig. And I do definitely think that I change what I wear for the gig. I think specifically, if I'm doing a gig with my band, I'm the front woman of a sort of beat poetry, psychedelic, soundscapey band. I... Um, I mean, we've, do- we've talked loads about kind of having costumes because we, we like the idea of it being kind of, there's a German word, my mom's from Austria, it's um, Gesamtkunstwerk, which means like a fully realized piece of work, like everything is thought about. And I like that idea. And I do think that costumes is something I might delve into in the future. But in the meantime, I definitely wear uh, floaty fabrics. I like a shawl. I like a... I like, yeah, I want to look floaty and ethereal because when you're doing music, you you want to give off this vibe of kind of like being really in it. Even if you're scared or <laughs> very conscious of how you look, 
you want to look like part of the music but with poetry i think i i like a like a suit jacket i like a high heel i like to look like a powerful bitch because <laughs> you're more vulnerable because you're just on stage talking about personal things and you don't have your friends on stage with you providing backing music so yeah. i think i think that's the difference sort of floaty and ethereal for music and well tailored for poetry i love this idea of like approaching those more vulnerable situations with dressing up in that way like i know that for the tougher comedy gigs like i will wear like leather or red lip um and it's almost like to kind of set a tone like I'm bringing this kind of energy I'm bringing this kind of vibe um do you want the audience to have like a certain opinion of you maybe before you've even started doing your material I mean this is early into the podcast but if I may bring up gender I think that women or effeminate people are judged by what they wear, whether they want to be or not, much more than men are. I think that, you know, the way that you dress in all walks of life, not even to do with performance, if you're a woman, you know, what you're wearing is, is considered to say something about you. And I think perhaps that's why our clothes are kind of our armor when we're doing more vulnerable gigs. I mean, some of the clothes that some of the male poets and male comedians that I know wear on stage, or even the musicians, they, they just wear whatever they happen to put on that morning. And that's okay. But I, I can't imagine doing that because it's, it's, about, it's about the process of preparing to go on stage. And it's also, you know, every morning, regardless of whether you're going on stage, looking in your wardrobe, you, are, you, you have a sense of who do I want to be today? Who, how am I trying to come across today? How do I feel today? Do I feel shy or do I feel sexy or whatever? And I guess that's just kind of amped up a bit when you're going on stage because when, uh, separate from gender as well, when, when you're something like a poet or a comedian, you are, you are being yourself on stage. You're not a character, but you are a carefully cultivated version of yourself. Like, you choose what to write jokes or poems about. You choose what stories to mention and what ones not to mention. So you are you, but you're choosing quite carefully and quite definitely how you want to be perceived. And that obviously involves your wardrobe. Yeah. you said like casual cool or something like that presence which you know made me feel warm inside and and seen and uh all the good things but it also made me kind of um feel like a fraud because I think I've been told quite a lot by different people that I have quite a calm and together presence on stage which is in some aspects true but I also know that I I have anxiety I I suffer from panic attacks. And so it's certainly a performed togetherness. But um, this is me being vulnerable. Uh, I think this is 
I think I, I've been eager to kind of like perform or front, you know, like I don't really care or like I'm on top of things for a long time. And I think since puberty started, because I remember when I was in high school um, and I, I didn't get on with people very well, I was seen as different. So you get to that point when you're a teenager when you go, okay, then I'm different. How can I use that to my advantage? And I, I was I was different <laughs> in the time of indie rock, the Arctic Monkeys, the Fratellis. You remember the time, the Coops. Yes, oh, yeah, NME, that whole time. NME magazine era. Hey, I miss NME so bad. <laughs> I remember quite vividly. I think I must have been about fourteen. Nah, that's too old. Thirteen googling how to be indie oh my god yeah it's the same yeah googling it <laughs> like okay so i need to get a graphic t-shirt and i need some skinny jeans Converse. <laughs> yeah yeah and it's that kind of how can i throw something together that i i spend a long time thinking about but just <laughs> looks like i've just rolled out of bed and just thrown on whatever's there about being a teenager again and how I guess school's kind of a stage like everyone knows who you are at school like everyone's kind of famous in their own school well not everyone most people you know who they are and so if you decide to like change your style slightly in fourth year or whatever <laughs> like I'm gonna rock a Jane Norman bag or whatever it's like it's a big it's a big day when you go in with your new bag your new necklace so it's kind of like a stage as well and how you're presenting yourself so like so sometimes if you ever like slightly change your stage look do you mm. have the same feeling as you do you're about to go into assembly with your jane norman bag except <laughs> you're about to go to a gig at in deep and you're wearing a scarf no i guess not so much now i mean adults are much nicer than teenagers they're much less cruel i mean god it's so terrifying just walking into high school like people's eye contact like burns you but but then you've got that weird that weird uh, dichotomy of like wanting to be known and wanting to be thought of as cool, but at the same time hating anyone looking at you. Yeah. And I guess it's the same going into a performance career. I mean, everyone that I know who does something that's performance related, you've got this real Venn diagram of narcissism and self-loathing that just cross over perfectly. And so, yeah the kind of thing of look at me but please don't look at me <laughs> thanks for finally um <laughs> nailing that because I was like what's wrong with me and <laughs> now you've just <laughs> you've basically just like described everything that goes on in my head um it's the push and pull yeah narcissism and self-loathing I uh it, it's a conversation I've had with my mom a few times because we were we were talking about my mother just before we started recording this <laughs> she's much cooler than me which is a thing that I've come to realize in my adulthood um she's an actor so is my dad so I grew up in theater so I grew up actually kind of hanging out in costume departments a lot um playing with wigs and stuff but so I I'm a poet so I'm being me on stage, as we said, it's sort of a carefully selected self, but it is me. When my mom goes on stage, she's pretending to be someone else. 
And obviously the costume is a big part of that. And we've had conversations about how I can't imagine anything more embarrassing than having to act on stage. <laughs> and she can't imagine anything more embarrassing than having to like do a speech on stage. Isn't that weird? Yeah. That, yeah, that there's such a difference just between that, even though it's ostensibly kind of the same thing that's happening. Yeah, there's sort of one, they're like different stages of character. So like one's a sort of amped up, ramped up, is that a word? Persona yes. and one's like a full on character, but they're like different stages on the same kind of like scale. Mm. Do you ever feel like your persona or your kind of, um, you said carefully selected self on stage, do you ever feel like it's sort of changed or has changed or will change over time? I think it certainly has. I, I think I was a lot more sort of starry eyed because I started pretty young. I was like 17 when I did my first poetry gig and I've been doing it ever since, 24 now. I think I was a lot more starry eyed a lot more I think if I look back at my poems from back then they were a lot more like we are made of stars and you know it, it was all like that and then I do kind of remember at about 21 I think realizing that you could write about sex and being like oh this is kind of fun and kind of getting a kick out of being a wee bit like saucy <laughs> Just, I, I think I think it was from the stuff I was reading the musicians I was into the, the poets I was into I was like oh you know what's really fun is being rude and talking about sex as a woman especially it felt quite liberating and I think yeah my sort of on-stage persona changed a bit then it was a bit more kind of like yeah I smoke cigarettes and I have sex what are you gonna do about it <laughs> I love it I think a lot of people go through that it's almost like mm. a rite of passage. Mm. Um, when you sort of moved from that kind of initial starry-eyed type mm. persona into your more, what, what did you, what word did you just use? Oh God, I, let's not remember <laughs> saucy. But saucy, like, yeah, love that, it. That was love intended it. to be sarcastic. Yeah. No, I love <laughs> it. But, so you went into like a saucy vibe. Did you mm. feel like your kind of style changed or you kind of purposefully would dress slightly differently in order to like step into that new persona or do you think it just all kind of like flowed quite mm. naturally for you? Well because I've been doing it since I was quite young I mean my style in general has kind of evolved. I definitely, high school I googled how to be indie and kind of lived by, <laughs> lived by enemy and then I left high school and I met my best friend at a festival actually and through her, I kind of got excited by going to vintage shops, going to charity shops, throwing stuff together, being a bit more creative with what we wore, being a bit more like dressing up box kind of feel. We lived together. We both had big wardrobes. We shared them. She's actually a musician. She's the lead singer of Maranta, the band. Cool. Um, yeah. And I, I, she did a lot for me, actually, I think, with my style and the way I decided to present myself. But I think in some ways I kind of copied her a bit um, or kind of looked up to her style wise because she's always been excellent at like picking things out and finding things in charity shops and wearing slightly odd garments. So I kind of went down like a hippie route for a while. Um, I had, oh God, I had, I had like two or three dreadlocks in the back of my hair, which... <laughs> Let's not tell anyone about that. But um, I, yeah, I think I kind of copied Gloria a wee bit and she's definitely a hippie. And then 
when I moved to Glasgow and kind of separated myself from that a bit, I, I got, I got, I think I said earlier, tailoring. I like a good jacket. Um, I like a high heel. And I think that's when I kind of got more into that like powerful bitch mode. Um, yeah, it's sort of armor, less floaty, less starry eyed, more like a woman. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting how certain people can like shape our styles, you know, and you at the time maybe just almost don't realize it. Well, we were dressing up, we were living in a cool flat, we were, you know, having parties and we were hanging out with weird people and <laughs> I mean I love I think the dressing up box I actually this is weird I wrote a poem where I mentioned dressing up box yesterday I had a dressing up box growing up always because obviously mom and dad were actors so we had like cool costume things or whatever so I had a really good dressing up box and most of my because I'm an only child as well so I would just sort of dress up and that's how how I'd play because I didn't have a sibling to play with are you an only child? <laughs> yeah, do you know yeah. what's really funny is we actually have like a really similar... <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I, I feel like, oh my God, I've met another one, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's not, I'm not an only child anymore, but I think the mm. damage was done, you know? Yeah. Like I was, mm. so I was an only child till I was like, I think nine. Mm. So by that point, I'd already lived in fantasy land for mm. like a long time. And like also, yeah my grandparents are actors mm -hmm. and so the dressing up box yeah was like a natural part yeah totally it's a big up. part of your life when you've got a theater family like dressing up is I mean such a big deal and like some of the costumes that I had were great I had this amazing <laughs> princess dress that I wore to Tesco like every day <laughs> I mean, and not like a, not like a, come on, like not a Disney princess, like a handmade medieval princess with, you know, those like kind of wizard sleeves, that word is tainted, but like, you know, the, the long medieval sleeves and, but I do also know that dressing up as a child, obviously I did have friends when I was a child, um, but I remember specifically for Halloween one year, my mum did me and my friend Emily up as witches and she gave Emily a wart on her face and a crooked nose and all that and with me she was like you you wouldn't accept that like you you always wanted to be pretty you so I gave you the the cheekbones and the arched <laughs> eyebrows you know I love dressing up but I always wanted to be pretty I always wanted to yeah. look nice yeah and I guess the dressing up box things kind of followed me through because like I said when I lived with Gloria our flat was like a big dressing up box and we would, you know, go and buy feather boas and we, we would have parties and make sure that everyone had a hat, you know. So. Oh my God. It sounds like you've had like all these really interesting lives, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know, like you've like lived in all these different places and had all these different looks. big fan of comedy I sometimes say that I'm a poet because I'm not funny enough to be a comedian but I love being funny and I love comedy and most of my favorite comedians are kind of characters mm -hmm. so I love Emo Phillips I love Maria Bamford I love um, people like that where it's almost clowning um, and it is again it's them but it's kind of a character do you what kind of comedians do you like 
I really love Maria Bamford as well. Yes, um, we've great. spoken about it before. I love that she's a character, but you know, she wears jeans and a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Like that character is just through physicality and her voice and just the material and it's so well crafted. It's really, really inspiring. Um, I really, I love Maria Bamford. I also love comedians that are just kind of, I don't know, just seem like they're just going up on stage and just chatting and that's what they're like, you know? Mm-hmm. I love that, like Lou Saunders is a great example. Um, and I sort of noticed that she wears like quirky outfits, which kind of like point towards the idea that her material is quite quirky and out there, but it doesn't feel like a character. It feels like she's just on stage playing. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like she's mm-hmm. like herself playing. I like that about spoken word as well, how obviously we're not improvising our poems. We know them off by heart. (laughs) We've been doing them for three years or whatever, but you say them like it's just to come to you. (laughs) I just happen to be speaking in rhyme right now. (laughs) I think that you're good at that. You you have quite a slow like delivery, you know, and it it just seems like you're just like kind of the words are just coming to you, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I I improvise every set from beginning to end. The whole thing is off the cuff. (laughs) I saw you online doing a gig online last night. Great improvised set. Loved it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, it's just like I go into this kind of state and I come out the other end. Yeah, looking effortless takes quite a lot of effort. I love talking about cool, like mm. the idea of cool. Me too. I'm slightly <laughs> obsessed with it. Like I, I have, I remember in high school having a real sense of, who was cool and cool for me wasn't what was cool for most people in my school because we definitely had like the popular group I didn't Mm. consider them cool I thought that there were a few girls in the year above me who were really cool and there was a girl several years above me who was really cool and I would go home and I would look (laughs) at their faces (laughs) and I would be inspired um and I definitely actually I was lying in bed with my boyfriend the other day and I'm I'm quite a one for proposing questions just randomly like you know, what's your favorite color, but kind of more than that. And I just said, who do we know that's really cool? <laughs> and he was like, hmm, I don't know. And we had a wee chat about who we know that's really cool until he said he was bored of the conversation. We stopped. There's like the idea of like collective cool. And then there's who's cool in your particular scene. Mm. Who's effortless cool and who's trying really hard to be cool. oh god there's so many there's who are trying so hard and you know who it normally is because I in my years have met quite a lot of famous people and it's men in bands or male musicians they try really hard to be cool so I've what met signs of somebody trying really hard to be cool like in sunglasses a <laughs> um curly hair I guess it's not, it's not even really, it's not, it's not clothes. It's demeanor. It's how you treat the people around you because being mean is not cool. No. Being arrogant is not cool. It's about how you carry yourself. And I think that clothes come into that, but the secret to being cool is that you can't think that you're cool and you can't try to be cool. Coburn Street in Edinburgh. Yes, yeah. yeah. 
that was what was cool when I was so I keeps returning to high school this is funny how you you say things out loud and you suddenly have revelations about where things come from I again googled how to be indie I got a stripy t-shirt and a string of pearls and I was on my way and uh I again I grew up in a town not far from Edinburgh but far enough that people didn't really go to Edinburgh very much it was kind of a, a thing to go to Edinburgh like you had to go to the cinema or something and I I really didn't like it there so I started going to Edinburgh at the weekends and I would I, I hope my mom doesn't listen to this I would <laughs> pretend that I was going to the cinema so that I would get a tenor and then I would go and buy cigarettes and I would just wander around sometimes with my friend sometimes on my own just smoking cigarettes <laughs> and it sounds so boring <laughs> but yeah I would smoke cigarettes and I would uh go up and down Coburn Street and I would go into Pie in the Sky yeah and that was that was the height of cool for me then was clothes from Pie in the Sky and smoking cigarettes yeah. Did you want people to sort of notice you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, it was the weird thing that I, I definitely, I remember kind of fantasizing about smoking from very young, from like 12. I was like, I'm going to be a smoker. I knew it. I'm not even really a smoker anymore. I, I was for like a bit as a teenager, but I, I kind of wanted to be seen to be smoking because that said something. I don't know what it said. Recklessness. I guess, you know, all the cool photographs from history of rock stars, cigarettes are always in there somewhere. But because I was bullied at school, I didn't actually let the people at school know that I smoked for a really long time because that would just be another thing to be mean to me about. Like, So I had to kind of come out as a smoker at a house party one time when I was about 17. Yeah. Wow. hey come on we're, have, we're doing a long form um it's like you know you're you're constantly trying on different hats and like you're you tell yourself stories about yourself you tell other people stories about yourself you're like road testing the future you and so you are kind of I guess you could say lying constantly like oh now I'm this now I'm that oh I'm a bit of this I'm a bit of that and like you know those are, I guess you could say, kind of similar to fabricating stories or dropping in that you've lived in Paris or whatever. It's like how you're wanting to be seen. It's how you're presenting yourself. And I think I said this earlier, like writing poetry to an extent is that as well. I've got a poem called um, The Night I Played Sims 2, which is kind of about Bukowski um, because I was reading some of his poetry and it got me thinking about how before the internet, you know, we are all now cultivating selves on our Instagram pages, on, you know, Facebook, wherever. We're all presenting a carefully cultivated self. But before Instagram and before social media, people still did it too, but they did it through art. So if you read Bukowski's poems, he's, what's the line? Charles Bukowski's life was all airheaded whores who bored him and 1960s hospitals and red wine and shagging. And you can tell <laughs> because he always made sure to mention it. Like that's him writing these poems that are kind of, yeah, I was smoking my cigarette and I had this girl and I didn't care about her. And 
I had a broken alarm clock and I had, you know, you're mentioning things and you're, you're framing yourself within your art as a way to be presented. Think of self portraits. It's, it's the same thing. It's all the same stuff. Yeah. We're just doing it now via technology, but it always existed. Mm -hmm. And I guess everyone's doing it now, whereas it used to be more like a au fait thing to do because you had to, you know, you had more shit to worry about like syphilis and stuff. Yeah. Mm. You want to be posting about that on Instagram. <laughs> no, I guess not. <laughs> Hashtag syphilis baby. <laughs> Hashtag yeah. there's no cure. I yeah. love this idea that we're all just like trying on different hats, but for the future us, like mm -hmm. I definitely have a thing. This is specifically for gig looks where I'll be like, I've got this gig coming up. It's an important gig. And I think I'm going to change my look. So I try out the look for the really important gig at a slightly less important gig to see how the clothes feel. Nice. That's a <laughs> good like, idea. And road test it, you know, and it's quite conceited, but yeah, just trying on the hat for the future me. Just trying on the hat for future me. It can be very hard for, I sort of said this earlier, but I'll mm. touch on it again. I think it can be quite hard for women and femmes to like balance these things. Because, I don't know, yeah, we're, we're so judged for how we present anyway. And it is still kind of a man's world. And especially in, in comedy clubs or in music venues, you are, have, you are being a bit braver than the boys are getting up there and sharing stuff, you know? I mean, poetry is pretty, pretty egalitarian. But still, it's still, it's still new. You know that as a female performer, if you're saying something a bit racy, or something, uh, I remember I wrote a poem when I was 19 where I mentioned wanking. And just that is just like, <gasps> you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of more radical um, than, than what the boys do. I, I definitely found it easier writing about sex in a punk band. Like I was in a punk band and our first single was called Come and it was about wanking. Mm. And I was like 21. And... That was fucking, I didn't give a fuck. I had a guitar, had a microphone loud, loads of gain on the amp and was like shouting and spitting mm -hmm. and I was drunk and stuff. Whereas like now I'm a lot more conscious because mm -hmm. that energy in a music venue, very loud, aggressive energy, I don't think that I would never feel like a failure if it didn't go down well. Mm -hmm. Whereas like in comedy, if I'm mentioning, you know, I, with punk music, I, I did not feel really like a failure, even when things failed. I was mm -hmm. like, well, fuck you guys. Punk that's, <laughs> I guess that's, that's punk, isn't it? And mm -hmm. that's also rock and roll. And that's also yeah. music in general. Yeah. Like, most of my friends are musicians. I've yeah. spent most of my career as a poet, like collaborating with musicians or doing gigs at music gigs all of my friends, including my partner, actually all of my friends, like every single one <laughs> in the band. Um, yeah, they, it is different. It's different 
and I think you've got more defense mechanisms. The guitar itself is so phallic and powerful and it's in front of you. You could hit someone in the face with it if you wanted to. The music's loud and it's like a big blanket. You've got other people on stage with you. There's more reputation and more, we kind of want our, rock, our musicians messy. Um, it's part of the fuck it attitude. There's less space um, for interpretation as well because you're just mm -hmm. putting everything out there. Whereas with like poetry and comedy, you leave a gap. You leave mm -hmm. more of a gap for people to react, to laugh or cry. I think the melody is doing so much. Like that's the thing I've really noticed being in a band is like the, you know, you've got the words obviously and they're important too, but the melody is, melodies are so powerful because they go right past the thinking bit of your brain and right into the kind of lizard feeling mm -hmm. bit like you could listen to an instrumental song and know exactly what it's about no one's told you whereas poetry or comedy you're just you're talking and it's all about thinking and it's feeling as well but you're thinking first and then responding to your thoughts and so the the, the music the melody the tune is doing so much of the work that through poetry or comedy you're maybe doing with how you speak it what you're wearing how you introduce yourself you've got to put more of it out you've got to explain stuff more visually yeah, yeah. you can't just like go off <laughs> in a poetry or comedy and go okay so the vibe guys is okay cool <laughs> do something that I found yeah okay so so before we started talking I googled just to hark back to my roots I googled what should I wear on stage because, oh my god yeah I was just interested to see what I found and I found two things so one of them is a LinkedIn article right oh my god yeah the title of it is what to wear on stage <laughs> It's a ridiculously important question because it shows how much you care. Which is no. a really intense title. It's so true though. I wanted to like laugh at it and be like, this is bullshit. But I'm like, oh no, I actually, I really do care. <laughs> but I don't know, does it though? Because like so many of the male poets and comedians that I know will just rock up in a, you know. Check shirt. H&M t-shirt and their jeans. And they don't really give it a thought, but it doesn't mean that their performance is any less meaningful. I don't know. I think maybe it comes from in general, with, like not just in performance, like there's definitely more of an emphasis on women's fashion mm -hmm. in sort of day-to-day ready-to-wear styles, mm -hmm. you know, like, mm -hmm. so. Well, I think we're yeah. much more likely to be pushed into some kind of box. Yeah. <laughs> Mother Maiden Crone, Virgin Whore, um, whatever. There's so many female stereotypes. And I think we're more willing to accept men as kind of complex and like layered. Whereas women, we kind of want them to be a certain type and fit into a certain box that we have like pre-prepared in our head. Yeah. Um, so you can turn up in anything because you can be anything as a guy. Um, obviously these things are changing and evolving and, and are very much like dependent on the situation and the person and blah, blah, blah. But we also know that this is, this is true. Yeah, for sure. Like I go to like comedy gigs and um, often 
like the sort of straight white guys will be wearing like you know jeans and a checkered shirt like that mm-hmm. is like the most like common look and they'll just wear that for every gig mm-hmm. and that's that like this Which on the one hand is like oh if only you could ju-. but on the other hand fuck that i love dressing up yeah it's the fun it's one of the fun bits of it Okay, so um, I just took some some light notes. Feel free to cut the boring bits, but I just thought some of it was good. Okay, so so it shows how much you care about yourself, about your host, about the audience you serve, (laughs) and the audiovisual team with whom you collaborate. (laughs) Yeah, I always have my team, man. Always. I know, right? Such a team player. Your audience matters for many reasons. When you take to the stage, the audience will examine every detail of you the same way they might examine a work of art. Very true. I suppose. I mean, it's a bit intense. Obviously, you should always wear a colour that contrasts with your physical background, obviously. How do you know? I guess you could, like, no. Google Google the venue beforehand. Go there. Well, the, bit, the next bit is mental, right? Find out the height of the stage as well as how the audience will be seated. Can you imagine writing to a booker like, just sorry, how tall is the stage? <laughs> and they no reply stage. and they say, sorry, there is no stage. It's yeah, open, exactly. It's an it's, open mic gig. <laughs> it's a carpet in the corner of the room. Haven't you done this before? Um, a front view is probably the most forgiving option for any performer. However, keep in mind, while your audience will rarely see you from the back, they will likely see you from the side. <laughs> So, yeah, I thought that was weird. You have to really think about side on, but not behind. So wear whatever you want in the back. <laughs> a stage so, that is... Hmm? I don't know. I was going to say, well, is that like a side boob thing? Like you should definitely go for side boob to like kind of lure them in. <laughs> I think it was like the side is where bad tailoring or like things not fitting properly will show, I think. Mm. But that's very oddly specific. A stage that is positioned either higher or lower than the audience is a particularly difficult situation for female performers. Short dresses become challenging when viewed from below. (laughs) Challenging. (laughs) Much like deep necklines distract from a top view. That's a question. Cleavage. Yay or nay? I don't really do cleavage. Mm -hmm. Like often. Although one time I did like a drag night and I wore like a black latex dress. Mm-hmm. And I think there was a bit of cleavage, but in mm-hmm. general, I just, my, I just, like, I can't, I don't have the right bras. Like, I actually mm-hmm. do have decent tits, but mm-hmm. I hardly ever yeah, really do it. I've got quite big boobs, but I find myself rebelling against them. Like, I think my dream is to be described as willowy, but <laughs> I'm, I'm not really. I'm pretty curvy. Um, I would love to wear draping things, you know, and like, but, but if you've got big boobs, when you wear draping things, you just look like a fridge. So, um, I, yeah, I also tend to veer away from too much cleavage because I think, um, it can feel a bit, if you're, if you're very booby and you go on stage, I think sometimes I worry that maybe people wouldn't really listen. (laughs) They'd just be like, she has boobs. 
I was gonna say if you wear anything that's like over dramatic, but I'm like cleavage is not over dramatic. But that's what the thing as well, isn't it? It's like the world's population has cleavage, but for some reason we're still really childish about it. Why am like, I being like so? I'm like I'm like into, I'm like having internalized misogyny right now. Like I just we all have it though. What the I mean, fuck? But I remember when I got my tits when I when Santa when came down from heaven <laughs> and posted me my tits through the letterbox. I didn't, you know, they are kind of like bombs on your chest. You don't really know how to deal with this new power that's being thrust at you. And I do remember if I was slightly cleavagey unintentionally, people would point it out. At school you know? or like at school, life. friends of mine, life. Yeah, people would point it out. And uh yeah, I think there's real power in being sexual. I'm not necessarily one to shy away from it, but yeah, it's it's a cleavage is a funny one for being on stage. Um, I don't think that if someone was on stage looking particularly booby, I would be too focused on it. But when it's myself, it just makes me feel a little bit exposed. Um, I also, I've had experiences in the past of being introduced on stage with like a, a visual descriptor bef instead of like, you know, they go like talented or, uh, you know, effervescent or, or I don't know, witty. I've been introduced as beautiful by men and by women. And that's a funny one because it's like, it's a compliment and it's nice to be called beautiful, but that's not why I'm here to read poems to you. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I think that is a thing that that's definitely more women as well than men mm -hmm. that will yeah. get like a description, a visual thing. Mm -hmm. Like, and yeah. often I think hosts will add adjectives for women and not for men. Mm -hmm. Like they'll just be like, welcome to the stage, Robert Smith or whatever. Yeah. I know what I mean, not Robert Smith, but like. <laughs> 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 Gonna do 10 minutes about Tinder. Mm -hmm. um, but like, if it's a woman, I'm like, the fabulous, you know. Mm -hmm. I remember I once was like, kind of saying to some people, oh yeah, I got put onto stages, they're beautiful. And then they were like, oh, I never got called fucking beautiful, you know, and exactly. I was like, and then I'm trying to of... say this is a thing. Like, this is something that's actually quite offensive. And... Mm. Yeah, it's funny that as well. I mean, women just get shamed for everything. And yeah, it's that kind of thing of, oh, you got a problem with that? But it's like, well, depends on the situation feel free to call me beautiful most of the time but when it's to do with my job or work do you think I'm good at poetry because I'm pretty like I hope not I hope that it's it's about you know the, the craft or the skill or whatever not yeah looks. I'll read you the last note that I've got. Oh, yeah. Okay. You have probably heard that the camera adds several pounds. That is true. If you are conscious about your weight, I would advise you to stay away from clothing that is baggy or tight. <laughs> what the fuck? I know. That makes no sense. <laughs> what does that leave, like, as an option? Like, like boot cut jeans and a t-shirt that's all that that's giving us so which is like the a... worst stage outfit it is it is a performance and 
it is dressing up and it is doing a wee play for your mum and dad. <laughs> yes! But it's, but it's growing yes! up and in a bar and everyone's drinking, <laughs> you know? It's like, it's the same thing. And even though we pretend that, you know, poetry is like art that's really down to earth and really like, you know, or comedy as well, it is still a show. And if you went to see a play and everyone turned up in bootcut jeans, <laughs> you'd be annoyed. <laughs> You know, you want you want the 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 look of things. That's like oh. an amazing like summary of what we've talked about. So, thanks. yeah, thanks for <laughs> thanks for bringing the, the big guns. You know, <laughs> oh, that's okay. I like to prepare for things. Yeah, and yeah. I really appreciate your insight and knowledge and experience and honesty. Thanks. <laughs> talking. I'm about an open book. So thank you so much to Iona Lee for being such an amazing guest. If anybody wants to check out some of her work, you can just go to at Iona Lee Poetry on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Thanks so much for listening and uh, stay safe. <laughs>